Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Have you ever thought to yourself, if we could have only paid a little bit more money, we would have landed that A player we really needed to hire? Well, if so, you would be wrong. So we often assume that money is the main reason for the turndown, but in reality, it is our inability to demonstrate how our opportunity brings purpose to the individual. It is no longer a time where good people will sacrifice career satisfaction for a paycheck. The balance of power has shifted and the mindset has changed. One thing we have learned from this pandemic is that purpose trumps the paycheck for almost everyone worth hiring. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and business executives win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Lorna Borenstein. She is the co-founder and CEO of Grokker. Grokker is the social health and well-being network that helps employees at global enterprises to move more, sleep better, and eat more healthily and reduce financial stress. Her new book, It's Personal, The Business Case for Caring, thoughtfully examines the human connection movement in the workplace which is fueled by growing desire among employees to feel more connected to one another and, as a result, better connected to their jobs. Lorna's expertise has been featured in top-tier publications, including Bloomberg, Fortune, and Entrepreneur. As a sought-after speaker and panel moderator at leading industry conferences, Lorna presents on the current state of workplace well-being and engagement. Lorna is also a member of the Forbes Human Resources Council and a frequent contributing author, which is what makes Lorna the perfect expert for today's topic. Lorna, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Good to be here with you, Rick. Today, we're going to discuss the importance of purpose as today's main currency, and then we're going to unearth how purpose in the hiring process and beyond will actually benefit your company. Sound like a plan? That sounds great. I run into this all the time with the current mindset of entrepreneurs that I work with, which is, you know, we just need to be able to attract people by making them the right offer. And I always have this conversation about it's really not about the money anymore. And it hasn't been for a little while. But with the pandemic, there's been a blessing and a curse to it. But the blessing has been that people are really looking for more purpose. It's interesting when you talk about how money really isn't the motivator, you're so right. And there's a little bit behind that that listeners may not really get at first blush, which is when you think about the fact that basically the majority of employees today are millennials and Gen Z, and you think about those generations, they actually were raised to care about a lot more than a paycheck, both because they're not going to earn as much as their parents did. So we're talking about the first generations in recorded history that won't achieve the same financial levels that their parents did. Money plays a different role in your life when you're not looking to keep moving up the social economic ladder. So you're saying, okay, you're never going to pay me enough employer to make me just get motivated by cash. So number one, you're not going to pay me enough. And then number two, I've been raised by parents who made me feel valued and who gave me a lot of validation from the time I was three. I graduated from preschool. I got participation (laughs) trophies. (laughs) Exactly. I got a trophy for coming in eighth. So when you're looking to hire me, 
don't just think that you are the bomb because you've got a hot company and you're paying me a good salary. I need more than that from you. And then you layer on top of that what we've all been going through with the pandemic. And it starts to make sense that the world has really changed and these employee expectations have shifted. And what you're seeing are both employees saying, number one, you have to prove to me that you're worthy of my time. Number two, we have the most stressed out workforce that's ever been around. We're seeing 76% of workers that are reporting significant levels of stress. We put out the research group of my company, Grokker, Grokker Innovation Labs. We put out in the first quarter of every year, the state of stress report that showed that literally 76% of workers across the entire globe, the US actually had numbers that were quite in keeping with the rest of the world, are claiming to have serious degrees of stress. The younger you are, the more stressed out you are. So if you're over 60, you're a little bit less stressed, but 18 all the way up to 60 plus, three quarters of your workers are majorly stressed out and they're suffering from fatigue, insomnia. You and I joked the other day when we were talking, right? How back in 2019, sleep was the new kale, right? <laughs> Nobody has sleep anymore. Why, <laughs> why is that? Because when you're stressed, yeah. you, you don't sleep anymore. So employees are basically saying, look, I'm stressed out. You can't motivate me enough by cash. You need to make this job more than a job. You have to make me feel like you're going to give me something more than just a place to come and, and punch a clock. And you saw the job numbers, you know, the month of April alone, 4 million US workers quit their jobs in order to look for better lifestyle. We had a million yeah. of them do that in June. So it's a whole new world. I don't know about you, but I'm fielding a lot of conversations with CEOs that are like, well, I don't know, do we really go back? Do we keep a hybrid model? And some of them are pressing forward with the decision and who knows how it's gonna shake out, but the data is showing that people don't want to have to go back into the work every day. Look at the data. It doesn't matter if you're looking at the Gallup report, there's a new HBR study that came out, but basically over 90% of workers want to work in some sort of a hybrid or all remote work environment. So you have less than 10% of the workers that want to be full-time back in person. So if you're working, whether it's a knowledge job or if you have hospitality service workers, retail, you don't have a luxury of offering them hybrid, right? You've got to be on the floor. And so what can you give them? Well, flexibility is what they want. And now you're seeing, I don't know how many listeners here have been watching the news, what happened at Apple in the last couple of weeks, where Apple first, they said, oh, you're going to come back and this is the way that you're going to come back. And then there was an open letter to Tim Cook by the employees saying, mm, not so fast. We've actually pulled over a thousand employees here. And if you make us come back, half of them are going to quit. And what happened a week later, Tim Cook said, you know what, we're going to delay that decision by at least a month. We're going to push it back to October. So you're seeing employers, at least the more, I think the smarter employers listening. So that right there is a really, really key point. And so when we're talking about the challenges today that companies are having, you got to listen. You got to listen to your people. I had a company that did not want to survey their employees to ask them what they wanted. They just wanted to make the decision. And the conversation went around, well, why would you not want to know what everybody thinks? It's like sticking your head in the sand and kind of hoping that it passes and everybody just comes back to work. Well, and if you do stick your head in the sand, what's very dangerous here is that this is not a workforce that is going to warn you before they leave you, right? I call it the silent revolution. They vote with their feet. And so, yes, they want all these things from you, but if you don't ask them and solicit their input, you may not hear it. And you have to not only seek 
input on the big things. We have to seek their input on the small things as well. And so one of the companies that I think, one of our clients that does this extremely well, I think is SurveyMonkey, who just recently rebranded as Momentum AI. But what they do, they ask their employees, Rick, what kind of coffee do you want in the break room? And you may think that that's frivolous, but it's not. Because what it's saying is we care about how you feel about things that are as specific as the kind of coffee that you want. Because you may want Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the break room, or you may be a coffee connoisseur, and you may want Blue Bottle or whatever it is that you care for. But listening and giving you a vote and then following up on it and providing it sends a signal that we care about you, we listen and we act upon it. So then we ask you other things like what type of benefits do you want? Now that we're coming back from work, what might make it be um, better for you? What are you worried about? You're going to be more likely to tell the truth, maybe to be a little bit more open. And so I think your point is so important. Like you bury your head in the sand at your peril because they are going to leave you and you will not know what hit you. Yeah. And you've got to expect that you're going to have people that are going to leave you anyway, especially with the changes that are upcoming. But I mean, I think if you have some flexibility, you're not going to have a mass exodus like I think a lot of companies are going to have. Which, by the way, as a recruiter, we're all sitting on the sidelines just waiting for that to happen. One of the things I don't know about how many of your companies do this. One of the things that I do at my company is we are very open about talking about, you know, when you call it graduating from Grokker, when you graduate from Grokker. And I talk about it all the time. Every week in my company meeting, I share lessons about running a startup. And I say, hey, this is important for you to know for if you decide to go start your own company. And we've had two employees who have graduated to start their own companies. And I have helped them do that because it's okay. You're not going to stay here forever. But what that does is it creates a culture where people will come and talk to their managers well before they even think about leaving and let you know, hey, here's what I'm thinking about. Can you accommodate that here? And if not, we then help you find a job elsewhere that suits you. So it doesn't have to be this, we drop you and we're gone. And again, that can really be helpful, especially in an environment where they can help you find, replace themselves on the way out, help recruit. We actually have one of our senior engineers who wanted to do something that we were no longer going to do at the company. And so we helped them. We were a reference for them. And they still help as an advisor to us. So if you create this culture where you understand you won't be here forever, but let me think about you for the long term. Let me make you understand that I care about you for your whole career, not just for what you do for me in this job at this moment. And it changes the whole dialogue. And it changes the culture in a way where all of your employees will be much more likely to talk to the manager, to talk to other managers, and to be more open about their aspirations. Because it's not so scary. You're not shooting yourself in the foot to talk about what you might want to do that might be different from the thing you're doing now. That is so very true. And by the way, it always stems from you. It stems from the leadership. This is part of who Lorna is. And this is why Lorna's company is thriving. And she's doing a great job because she listens. Well, my grandmother used to always say, a fish stinks from the head down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, your host. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to order Healing Career Wounds, which is available now on Amazon and all your favorite bookstores. Let it be your startup secret weapon to winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Lorna Bornstein. She is the founder and CEO of Grokker. We're talking about purpose. Really, there's a sub theme here too, which is listening. You want to focus in on what's important to the individual. 
it's different for each person. It's not a one size fits all solution. It's getting to understand the people that you have and really understanding what their pain is, what their desire is, and what kind of impact they want to make in your organization, and then allowing them to thrive in that environment. Exactly. And so I think if you put it into a general sentence, it's, I need a work environment that makes me feel seen and heard. What they're looking for is a place that has people that look like me, right? Whether that's gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, right? Uh, age, ability. They're looking for that. They want also an environment that knows them, their personal motivations, their interests, their struggles. They want places that's going to listen to them and evolve with them, seeking those implicit and explicit signals and it acts upon it because really what they all want is a cutting edge employer providing a unique experience at scale that's going to lead them to better engagement and to the type of change and the type of performance that you need at your company. So make them feel seen and heard. That would be like job one. And it all begins with, as you rightly say, with listening. What I'm hearing you say, though, is just focusing on the work and don't worry about it. Just get the work done is probably not a good idea. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea because they also need to feel inspired and <laughs> empowered, right? They need to feel proud that their work is a badge of honor, that friends and family are all going to be interested in. I mean, we all saw recently in the news, right? Richard Branson went up into the stratosphere. Every single Virgin employee, doesn't matter what division of the company they work in, now feels that they're job, their company is going to space. And so all of their neighbors want to talk about it and they feel cool, very proud of their company. That is going to give them also purpose. Their contribution has impact and they can sort of understand how what they do matters to the larger organization. And they're shaping the future. What they do is changing the world. It hasn't been done before. They're mavericks and they're making people's lives better. Their work helps make a positive difference in the lives of others. It's human. So they want to work at a company with relevance and integrity that's creating a differentiated future and leading to a better world. So yeah, it's not just get the work done. Every startup founder struggles with this problem. The quicker they get over that hurdle of it's not about you, it's about your employees first. That's when they get to the point where they can start to spread their wings and thrive. Let's talk about how we do this. First and foremost, structure. You really have to structure your company values and lay them out and make them a language that everybody can buy into. The people that resonate with your values will do well in the organization. The people that don't shouldn't join. Well, again, yeah, implied in that is this concept of people are really seeking a community that feels safe and that does share their values. So they feel accepted, that they feel supported. And so they're really, they need psychological safety. And the values are the beginning of that. That is definitely the foundation. The other thing that people need is, as an employer, you absolutely need to help your employees understand how I call it, your insides match your outsides. So if you've got values, how do those live both inside the company and outside the company? So not just on the walls. And people may know this, right? But at Enron, integrity was one of their values <laughs> on the poster on the wall. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it needs to be more than just words. How are you living it? How are you walking the talk? Um, and how are your employees, managers, but just also individual contributors, how are people encouraged and rewarded by living those values and upholding them, safeguarding them as a common 
ethic for everybody when it comes to protecting your customers, but protecting each other in this environment that you've created. Yeah, I find that some of the easiest companies to work with because they have this structure in place are the ones who make it a language within the organization. So when decisions are being made, hey, should we hire this person? Well, gosh, I don't know if they really bring forward our value of X. Well, let's use Enron. Does this person really have integrity? You probably (laughs) want to hire for the opposite of integrity if you're Enron, right? Well, it's also interesting. You know, a lot of companies talk about how they want to be innovative. Yeah. It's really hard to have innovation if you don't have a value that actually rewards trial and failure. Yes. And so if you have a culture and you want to be innovative, you actually have to reward risk-taking and the failure and the quick learning from the failure. And so I see a lot of companies that say, oh, we want you to be innovative, but they are so risk-averse, they're never going to be innovative. So very true. And so if you have a culture that truly walks the talk, I actually talked about this in my company meeting this morning. Uh, One of the things that one of our engineers did is they actually went out to roll out something pretty quickly. And we have a value, which is freedom. And we have a value, which is it's the results that matter, which means you take the risk that you have the freedom to do it because the result matters. You take accountability and you pre-think what if something goes wrong. And they actually had built some redundancy and they told everyone, hey, this might be wrong. We're going to do it at a time of day that won't affect our clients, won't affect the customer. And we'll roll it back and we have a plan B in case it didn't work. And sure enough, they tried it. It didn't work. No one was affected. There was no outage. They rolled it back. And then they went out within about eight or 12 hours to roll out the redundancy plan. And it all worked beautifully because they took the risk. That is a way that you live a value that is really about innovation and risk taking. You should celebrate those failures too. Yes. You should embrace them and celebrate them. Like, hey, make it a fun activity. Where did you fail this week? And then, yay, good job, because that failure takes you that much closer to success. So the former head of communications at Facebook, Karen Marooney, she used to have a PR firm called Outcast, which is a very successful PR firm. She actually told me the story, and I uh, I think we wrote about it. I think it's in her guest perspective in my book. And what she talks about was exactly that, that she found people were talking too much about their successes. And so she started celebrating in their weekly meeting the failures and getting people to share what went wrong. And it completely changed the perspective in the meetings. People weren't just being self-congratulatory. They were actually talking about things that didn't go so well and sharing lessons learned. And it made it so much better for everybody. They learned things. They were sharing things. They were collaborating more. And it made it more human. Yeah, yeah. It does make it for a much more open, communicative environment. I mean, especially if that's a value of yours, you want to have collaboration. You can't have collaboration really without celebrating failure or at least making it okay and safe to fail. And that word safe is so important because if you want any type of culture to work, people need to feel safe and valued. Truly, you can't have a sense of belonging without an underlying feeling of safety. I talked about psychological safety earlier, which is the most important thing. People just want the practical answer to, well, how can I actually help my people to live these values? Like, how do I do it? I have the three main ways to help employees do it. And I said, number one is you have to state your commitment out loud. You have to tell people 
that I am going to actually help you cope because I care. I may not get it right every time, but I really care. And I want to create a psychologically safe environment for you where it's okay to struggle. It's okay to stumble. I'm not going to ding you for it. You don't have to hide it from me. And I'm seeing really interesting examples in different cultures right now that realize that before COVID, they may have had slightly overly stoic or macho cultures where it wasn't okay to struggle. And those were not safe environments. The minute someone hits a roadblock, they're actually very likely not just to have their performance suffer, but to actually quit because they don't feel it's a place where they can continue to work. And it's not the case. The company would like to support them through it, but they haven't communicated that effectively. All right. So state your commitment. Make sure that everybody knows in the messaging who you are and why it's important that people resonate with the values. They understand it. Yeah. And to really let employees know that they can experience their day-to-day highs and lows authentically. And that will be embraced. You're going to try to help them and to give them ways. For example, one of our clients, CVS Health, they created 15 different employee resource groups. These do not cost money. They just basically blessed it and said, what kind of employee resource groups do you think you need? Have them. There are plenty of meeting rooms here around our physical offices. You can create them virtually. Have them, which gave a signal like, oh, We care about LGBTQ plus members of our community. We care about new parents. We care about whatever the community was. It's like a signal. We're committed to you. You can have a resource group around it. Maybe they supplied coffee. I don't know. But it was just this group, 15 of them. It's a good number. It's a signal. I care. We're going to listen. We're going to try. So that's the very, very first step. Okay. So the first step you had is state your commitment. What's the next one? The next step, which is really important, is you have to make coping accommodations. And a coping accommodation is basically showing that there is a link to the employee need that perhaps allows employees to have flexibility in their schedule. Maybe that's a coping accommodation. Maybe it is ensuring that managers are meeting with employees before the return to work to discuss what their concerns are and digging into some tactical solutions. Maybe it is removing undue pressure when that return happens and saying, you know what, we're going to create a no meeting zone from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. so that you can have family time because you need that as an accommodation because you've gone from being remote for 18 months to now being back in person. It's going to mess you up too much to take that all away. Being able to understand what do you need What are the coping accommodations? We have a parental leave policy that we thought was pretty generous. We provided four months of paid leave for the primary parent. And we had a bunch of new parents who came back and we asked them, how is it going? We were trying to check in. We were committed. And how has it been? Is there anything we could do better? What we were told is we're really happy with the leave. It's very generous. The first month when we return, it's overwhelming. Could we have in the month that we return just some flex in the system where we just for that one month, there is an understanding that we're going to have flexibility as we adjust. So we did that. And that is a coping accommodation. Your first month of return, you're going to have this flex. So that's an example of what a coping accommodation is and how, again, relatively easy it is to link it to the employee need 
by listening and then trying to share the information with the people who can best help. Got it. So it's listening in accommodation of their needs to make sure that they're going to thrive as much as possible. Yeah. And without sacrificing quality of work, it improves the quality. We actually had an employee recently who was going off on parental leave and who wanted to stay connected because there were a couple of clients that she wanted to see through a particular project. And she asked for the flexibility if she could continue to stay connected when she went out. And we were like, well, we felt a bit awkward about that, but she wanted that. We're like, okay, if that's what you want, we'll do that. That listening and then connecting it to what they need. Which is good because at least she didn't check out like some people would. That means that she's really engaged in her work. And that's a good sign of a strong, engaged person. The third piece would be what? The third piece is employers need to provide, right? tools to make people's lives easier and not the tools that we think they need not this like paternalistic father knows best approach <laughs> it's what do they need how they want it when they want it the way they want it and they're largely going to be digital i joke all the time nobody these days needs a chair massage that is not what they need or a foosball table yes. <laughs> or a foosball table my gosh they don't need that but maybe they need a digital app. People don't even want gym membership subsidies anymore, which has been a great thing for my business. But it's like they want digital. They want things in on demand on their phones, on their connected TVs. They don't even want emails from you anymore. Maybe they want SMS. How do they want it? The other things that they may want, maybe because things are so crazy, they want different types of benefits. Maybe they want a monthly house cleaning stipend instead. Maybe a digital food delivery service subsidy. Listening to what do they want? How are they struggling? And then the digital tools to help them with that. Do they, if stress, and we see it, the numbers are amazing. 46% of all work-related absences are due to anxiety and depression. 46% costs $16 billion a year to employers. I believe that. I believe that. Why not give them a quick meditation? Something like quick on the phone, on the screen, easy, digital. That's what they need. Exactly. Lorna, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? The first thing is, you hit it off at the beginning, Rick. Start by listening. Just listen. It doesn't have to be fancy. There's actually a free tool that SurveyMonkey has, a free survey you can use, just a basic listening. Just find out how they're doing. Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group, a longtime client of ours, they actually asked all of their managers to be responsible to have a conversation with every single one of their direct reports in one particular month. Isn't that a nice, easy thing to do? And report back up to their managers. So every single person in the company was connected to by their managers and just asked, how are you doing? Is there anything that you need? Just listen. That's one, the first thing, just listen, be curious, nest your curiosity into easy things that you either are doing already or that you can do. There's one takeaway you can pull from this. Just listening is really the most important thing. Lorna, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience can find you, find your company, all that good stuff? Easiest way to follow me is probably on LinkedIn. You can just look for me, Lorna Bornstein on LinkedIn. Uh, to figure out anything to do with the company, just come visit us at grocker, G-R-O-K-K-E-R.com. Yeah, those would be the two easiest ways. Awesome. 
All right. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this show's for you. And we want to keep making it better for you. You can uh, join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. You can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Christopher Lockheed. He is the host of Follow Your Different Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Gerard.